Hi, CityCast listeners. We all know Houston culture is vibrant, especially our hip-hop scene. Today, I'll be speaking with someone so in tune with Houston hip-hop culture that the city is a part of his stage name. He's a jack of many trades, from producing and DJing for some of Houston's biggest names like Slim Thug and Paul Wall, to freelancing for the Houston Chronicle and the Texas Monthly. And when he's not doing all of that, he's hosting one of Houston's biggest podcasts. Donnie Houston is here to tell us all about how he's made a name for himself in the industry. It's Tuesday, September 13th. I'm Carleon Jones, filling in for Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Donnie, how you doing today? Carly, what's going on? I'm all right. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm happy to be on. Um, so I want to start from the beginning. What got you into the entertainment business? You know, how did you get your start with everything that you're doing now? Well, man, I mean, it's it's a lot. Like, I started in music. I started being a DJ when I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. And then uh started producing. By the time I was in college, that's when I kind of got into production. Mm-hmm. And while I was in college, I was studying broadcast journalism. And um, I didn't really use my degree for, like, a very long time. And I always enjoyed podcasting. And then one day I just started up a podcast. And this is, like, my first you know job <laughs> using my degree but <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's kind of you know the short the short uh version of it who would you say inspired you is it like dj screw people like that that made you want to do djing djing yeah i mean being from houston of course uh dj screw uh dj jazzy jeff uh before all of them jam master j from run dmc was the first dj i ever saw i like mm-hmm. what run was doing but i never saw myself as a rapper i was really introduced really in uh Really interested in the guy in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was Jam Master J with the turntables and all that. So Yeah, that's dope. Okay. So you've also produced for a lot of Houston rappers, like major Houston rappers around here. Um, like some Thug, Paul Wall. How did you meet them? What was that introduction like for you? Well, let me see. The first one would be uh Slim. I met him like we just were going on the road and then I ended up becoming his DJ and he was just like, send me some beats. And mm-hmm. I sent him some beats and it was a record peaceful. And I became like the single for the album that he was working on at the time, American King. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, everything kind of just snowballed after that. Like after Slim, that's when I started working with Paul Wall and um, Zero. And it was just kind of like, it was just like a snowball effect kind of. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a chance introduction. Like you just was somewhere one day and... No, 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 no. It no, nah, it was it was another artist I was working with. We went on the road first. Okay. Um, and then I had seen him in passing all the time, you know, just being in, in music, like working the underground, all that type of stuff. Well, we went on the road once and I was uh DJing with the artist that I was with, but Slim didn't bring a DJ for that trip, so I ended up DJing for him as well. Oh, okay, okay. And uh like I ended up moving to Atlanta actually. So it wasn't like that directly led to that, but like I moved to Atlanta not long after that for about a year, year and a half, something like that. And when mm-hmm. I came back, well actually while I was in Atlanta, that's when Slim asked me about sending him some beats. Mm-hmm. And that's how the peaceful song came and it was like, Okay, do I stay here in Atlanta and like still try to like figure out figure it out and network? And it was working well, but I was still mm-hmm. very much like kind of starting over. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, do I stay here and continue to like do this? Or do I come back home and capitalize on this song I have on the radio right now? And that led to me going on the road with Slim. And it just kind of was just like the same time. Like we got this song together. I'm going traveling on the road with you. And it just kind of was what it was. 
And from there, that's when you start meeting other people in the industry and just kind of capitalizing off the, the whole Houston rap scene, huh? Yeah, it did actually kind of happen like that. Like, I mean, Slim is like, I always say he's kind of like really one of the leaders when you're talking about like this culture and like mm-hmm. he's like myself, along with a, a lot of other artists, DJ producers, like he's been able to propel them to higher heights mm-hmm. uh, just by association and it was kind of the same thing with me. Like we started working together. We started, you know, getting a, a closer relationship and that brought the eyes and attention, you know, from everybody else. I'm assuming, I don't know. You know what I mean? What made that <laughs> yeah. one working? I don't know, but I can just tell you that I was working with Slim first and then, mm-hmm. and then I started working with everybody after that. Okay. Okay. So, um, you also have a podcast, the Donnie Houston podcast, which they can find on Apple podcasts and also on YouTube. I like to watch it on YouTube. Um, and you've been doing that podcast for about three years. Uh, you have like 40,000 subscribers on there. And, uh, when I watch it, it's really raw. It's really uncut. Um, so what inspired this podcast for you? And also like, do you think that the uncut unfiltered part of it is what helped it grow so much? I think that helped it grow. Um, but what inspired it was really like, like I was saying, like I always l- enjoyed podcasting mm-hmm. uh, from from way back in, i say the first time when I started getting into podcasting, maybe it might have been around 2009, 10, somewhere up in there. And like okay. most of the podcasts that were around, like hip hop podcasts, they were basically, they were like East Coast based. So you had like mm-hmm. Combat Jack, you had Wind Up Scene with Cypher Sounds and Rosenberg, Peter Rosenberg from High 97 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a few others, but like those were the two that I really, really was into at the time. And so I was like, this is cool. But like the only time you ever got any texture story was like, you might get Scarface on Combat Jack. Mm-hmm. You might have got Slim on there maybe one time, but it was like very, like few and far in between, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, also, when I was living in Atlanta, I got on a, I got on a B-High. Shout out to my boy B-High. I didn't even know him at the time. I just was like, who is this dude out here from Atlanta doing what these guys that I was enjoying on the East Coast doing? But he's telling it from an Atlanta perspective. And I can mm-hmm. tell he's really from the city. He really knows his stuff. Like, I could tell he really grew up on this music. Yeah. And so when I came to Houston, I was like, man, nobody is doing this. Like, you had podcasts around that may invite people from Houston and you mm-hmm. may get some stuff, you know, in a conversation here and there, but there was not any show that was strictly focused on, like, really diving into the culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In the history of, of what's been built here. And so, um, I mean, now you look up, you know, it's, it's a few of them. But at the time, like, it was nobody doing it. And so I was like, yeah. okay, well, here's a lane. Let me just try it. And, like, I even remember... You know, when I was doing it, people were like, that's cool. But, like, why are you talking to these old dudes? Or why, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, nah, you don't understand. Like, this is yeah. what it is. Because I saw it being successful for Combat Jack, for mm-hmm. uh, Wine Epstein, you know, Peter Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds, for Beehive. And I was just mm-hmm. like, man, like, there's a void here that needs to be filled. Like, we have this great history, these great songs that we love, you know. But, like, what's the backstory? You know, what was, you know, even with, like, some of the beefs, like, I don't really try to get too controversial like intentionally mm-hmm. but sometimes i mean this the, the history here is you know it's beefs you know what i mean like any other yeah. thing and, and, and it's like any other history class you take like 
you've never taken an American history course or a Texas history course when you were in school and there was no conversation of, you know, some war or some some uh, conflict that took place that changed the direction of history. And so mm-hmm. it's the same thing. And so um, it was just me just wanting to kind of, as a fan, just dive into that and like answer all the questions like I had my whole life. And it just so happened it was a bunch of other people that had these same questions, I guess. And that's what kind of helped it, you know, kind of be successful or whatever. Yeah, I love that. Because it's really just like when I'm watching it, I get to see different perspectives and learn stuff that it's like you would never know about if you hadn't got these people to sit down and really talk to you. Like, they really open up and feel comfortable there. Um, Something else I noticed when I'm, like, watching your podcast is that you're very much um, a very authentic person to yourself. Uh, I know, like, as a journalist of color in the industry, like, sometimes it's hard um, kind of finding your lane and maybe feeling like you have to uh, change the way you speak, your dialect, and things like that when, like, interviewing people. Did you ever feel like you had to change yourself? Did you ever feel that pressure at all? I do whatever whatever the time calls for. So it's like if I'm sitting down, I'm talking to hip hop guys or street guys or whatever, like we don't have to sit down and speak, you know, the king's English. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we yeah. don't have to we don't have to you know, we don't have to we don't have to talk in times New Roman, you know what I'm saying? We can yeah. we can we can bowl and italic that thing and whatever, you know what I'm saying, cursive, you know, throw some ebonics or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> it's just whatever it calls for. And there's there are settings and certain guests that, you know, I can adapt to in those, you know, you know, like that with that, with the language or uh, the delivery or whatever. But I mean, if we're talking hip hop and, you know, we're just kind of laid back kicking it, then it's like, hey, let's just let's just kick it. You know how yeah. we're kicking it. And when it's time to to put the suit on or the, the, the button ups or whatever and have those types of conversations, we can do that as well. But for yeah. the most part, it's like, let's just be comfortable, you know? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So uh, your stage name is Donnie Houston, but that's not your real name. So I'm wondering, where did you get this name? Uh, I made it up. Okay. okay. <laughs> Simple as that, huh? So I used to go by DJ Don uh, prior to 2013. Like, that was the name. And that just happened from, like, I got, when I got the turntables, I was telling you, I was 15 years old. I came to the neighborhood. And my friends, I was Donnie. I was just Donnie who played basketball and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. neighborhood kid or whatever. And... One of my boys just started calling me DJ Don, and everybody called me DJ Don. But I was like, "This is cool, but it's very dry and very, uh, <laughs> okay. very like regular." Like when I say regular, I mean in the sense of like anybody can be DJ Don. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I never really was like a, too big of a fan of that. And then it got into uh, when I started kind of moving around and doing things. I started googling myself. And I would never, it would take forever. Like so many pages, DJ Don Cannon, I remember, would always mm-hmm. come up first. And he would be taking up like the first page and a half of Google. And then you mm-hmm. get DJ Don in Milwaukee, DJ Don in over here, whatever. And the last straw was one of my boys sent me a picture. He was at Home Depot one day. And he was like, with a real DJ Don stand up? And I opened it. It's a picture of a man DJing at Home Depot, and he had a cardboard <laughs> sign that said DJ Don. I'm like, man, I can't let him think I'm the dude from Home Depot with the cardboard sign. You know what I mean? And the other, yeah. <laughs> and the other part was like, uh, like I've always done and had aspirations to do more than just DJing or just producing. And like, you know, I've done stand up comedy, I've I've acted, and it's just like. If I, at one point, I didn't know which direction it was going to go, but I knew it was going to be more than just DJing and producing. 
And mm-hmm. I didn't want to have a DJ title in front of that. So that's even now, like, if I go DJ, I ask people, like, please don't put DJ Donnie Houston on the fly. Because I'm DJing, but I'm just Donnie Houston. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's intentional for me to be Donnie Houston. And then what it means is just, you know, Donnie is just like a family name. If you grew up with me, if you, you know, mm-hmm. if you've been knowing me for, like, since a kid, then you know me as Donnie. And Houston was just, uh, like I said, I moved to Atlanta. But prior to that, I, wanted to, I really wanted to move to New York. And I was just mm-hmm. like, if I go somewhere, I can always represent Houston with my name, you know what I mean? I don't necessarily have to be here to represent Houston, but I can take it with me everywhere I go. Okay. And so I'm wondering, like you said, you moved to Atlanta and I know a lot of artists and people that are from Houston, they kind of leave Houston because they feel like it's kind of hard to work the market here. Uh, is that what inspired you to move out of Texas for a little while? Um, That, I felt like I was kind of slipped on a little bit. I also felt like I saw like a ceiling of like mm-hmm. how how high I could go uh, based on what I was doing at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I just always wanted more. Like even now, like I I still love Houston to death, right? But like we we still very much lack a lot of resources, mm-hmm. and we still haven't um, reached the point, even though we're the fourth largest city. Yeah, we still haven't reached the point of having a lot of things available for us in this industry, as like in Atlanta or L.A. or you know New York still is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things of me always being like, I love it here, but I know that there's more. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so why do you think that is? Because Houston has so much talent. Like, if you really, like, think about it, it's just so many people that go to these other states. And some people don't even realize that a lot of the people that are in this industry are from Texas originally. Like, why do you think we lack resources so much when a lot of the talent is from here? Yeah. Well, I mean, talent is one thing. Business is another. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the entertainment business, you know, and that's the one thing that a lot of people uh, negate when they consider, you know, a lot of things. It's just like, oh, I'm so talented. I should be on or, you know, I'm so talented. You know, more people should whatever. And it's like, yeah, but there's still a business aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I don't I don't have the answers. I don't know. But for whatever reason. The structure still hasn't really been set here. And I mean, we made strides. Like, we're definitely in better position than, than we've been in the past. But as far as the city itself, like, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just hasn't really been established here as, like, one of the, the places to really do business on the entertainment mm-hmm. side of things. So, I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you are a man of many titles, DJ, producer, podcast host. Um What's next for you? Uh, you just gotta keep watching. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really give it up anymore. Cause I used to be like, yeah, you know, so next you can see me doing this, and I'm getting ready to do. And then I look up at somebody over there trying to, you know, what I mean, try to beat me to it. So <laughs> one thing I learned in the game is that you know you gotta keep some things for yourself, and 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 the element of surprise um, always will hold value. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like. You just got to keep watching, but I can tell you that this isn't the end. And I'm very much like I haven't even really scratched the surface mm-hmm. on the things that I that I can do or and want to do and am going to do. So um, I can tell you that. I love that. Keep it all in the bag. Pull out some secrets later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So the last thing I want to ask is there any advice that you would have for someone that might be looking to join this industry themselves? One thing I can tell you about is that like the things that you want to do, the desires of your heart, they're very much possible. 
Um, mm -hmm. If you really believe in that and you really put the work in and the effort and keep a positive attitude and believe in God or whatever you consider to be a higher power, uh, you can do anything. So that's, that's what I can tell you. Thank you so much for being on, Donnie. I really enjoyed talking to you. No, I enjoyed this. Thank you. That was Donnie Houston. We'll have a link to his podcast and social medias in our show notes. Now, I'm here with lead producer Dina Kesba. Dina, what's going on around Houston today? Hey, Carly. All right, I'm super excited to talk about this new spot that's stepping on the scene in town. It's called Real Agave. It's an upscale tequila lounge that's going to be spearheaded by Bill Floyd. It's going to be located at the ground floor of the downtown skyscraper. Their hours, once they open, will be Monday through Friday, 4 to 8 p.m., and they're hoping to bring lunch into the mix, but that hasn't been set yet. And a cool thing is that Real Agave is allowing people to make reservations for private functions. Now, here's the catch, though. They don't have an on-site kitchen, and so the menu items are actually prepared in El Rio, the Tex-Mex spot. That's the downstairs tunnel restaurant that Floyd also opened back in May. It's set to open September 13th. That's all for our show today. This week's team chat will be talking about things you can do for this fall. If you have any suggestions, leave us a voicemail at 713-489-6972. And you might just hear yourself on the show. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from around the city. See ya. I like, are we done already? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> All right.